This week on the Open Nesters Podcast with Pam Grout. But it literally changes your life. I mean, it's like the closest you can get to that transcendent state, maybe in this body, you know, to really look at the sacred, to really look at the beauty that is here. And when you're in that mindset, it's like your whole world opens up. Welcome to the Open Esther's Podcast. How will you write Act 3 of your life? Will you be open? Will you welcome the possibilities? Are you going toward your most vibrant, authentic stage of life? Are you curious to discover what's ahead? Are you in a fork in the road and wondering which path to follow? Would you like to hear from others who are already writing Act 3? Hey everyone, I'm Tessa. And I'm Amir. Why be an empty nester when you can be an open nester, living on the edge of your curiosity, on the fringe of your imagination, reinvention, and sexuality? Together, we'll take a journey and explore how rich this stage of life can be when we approach it with an open mind and an open heart. After reading Thank and Grow Rich, I was so inspired again to reach out to this author that you'll hear of this interview today because her framing, and she also wrote a book that really changed a lot of lives, many books. She's a prolific writer and so many books and travel articles, but this particular book was one that really inspired me. So Yeah, it's it's a great book. It's by my night table. I have not finished it yet. I'm still reading through it and I'm just at awe how one can create new currencies or capital, as she calls them, um, outside of financial capital. Right, capital that brings us riches far beyond, and this whole idea of gratitude, taken from the, the, the concept of the Napoleon Hill book, Think and Grow Rich, she calls her book, Thank and Grow Rich. But you'll hear about her life, which has some hard things that she accepts with so much gratitude. And you'll be inspired by that. And and it's related to the open esters very much. First, we all can use a little bit more of gratitude in our life, number one. And number two, here is an open nester woman that has suffered some great loss and how she coped with it. So let's hear it from Pam Grout. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, Pam Grout. This is such a treat for me because your book has been a guiding force. How are you today? I am doing great. I'm happy to hear you've been enjoying my book or that you've, uh, I was, I was trying to think which one you were, were talking about and I saw you held it up. It's like, okay, yes, I know which one that is. <laughs> well, all of the other ones I'm, we will list on, on, uh, and if you want to, you know, mention them at the end as well, for sure. That's part of the journey question that I'll ask you about. And I know we probably could cover the grounds of gratitude for days and days and days. And you do it with so much fun. And that's why I loved your book so much, because I love the playfulness and how we can lighten our lives. And I mean, as you could see, I'm sitting here in our studio and we we dance and we drum and and you got to lighten our lives. And as we get older, we're at the stage of aging and accepting. And I call it age fullness instead of age. You know, I was calling it 
agelessness. And then Ashton Apple White, the expert on aging, got me into saying agefulness. So we are aging. I love fully. that. That's great. <laughs> That's a great way to say it. I'll have to steal that from you. Yeah, no, it's taking us uh, away from that thing of, the, of that we're always going to be young and, and accepting and embracing. So tell me a little bit about what brought you to where you are today, both personally and professionally, wherever you want to start on that journey uh, we are interested in hearing. Wow. Well, I guess my main life, (laughs) I've been a writer my whole life. I mean, literally from the time I was a reader in second grade. And then I'm a mother as well. So that was another important um, role that I played in my life. As I I told you in the... um, you know, when we were communicating, my one and only daughter did die of a brain aneurysm about three years ago, and it was a big shock. And that certainly, you know, had a ricochet effect on my life, you know, kind of put the full balls moving in a whole different direction at that point. But as far as my writing, and, you know, I've been so blessed because I've been able to do exactly what I like for all of my life. You know, I love writing. I've done a lot of different kinds of writing. But I literally started writing books when I was in second grade and I you know, love to read. And I think anybody, if you, that likes to read a lot, eventually starts thinking, you know, I think I would like to write a book as well. So uh, that's kind of what happened to me. So back when I was in second grade and won this award in my school, or, you know, for reading 267 books and they were, you know, those little picture books. So it wasn't like some great accomplishment, but, you know, obviously I was into reading, but then I started you know, illustrating these little books. So I've always been a writer. I worked in many facets of writing. I worked um, for a newspaper. Um, I was a featured writer for the Kansas City Star. As I like to say, I think I say this still in my uh, bio on the website, the same uh, newspapers that launched Ernest Hemingway and Walt Disney. <laughs> so I did you know, work as a feature writer for the Kansas City Star. And then I've been on my own as a freelancer for a really long time, you know, meaning that I've written everything from um, you know, corporate brochures to you know, 20 books now. And um, you know, I've been everything in between, but I've always been very blessed and I've been able to live kind of this unconventional life because, you know, I, what I did is write. And so you can write anywhere. So and I love traveling. So I was able to travel around and, um, and make a living as a writer. And I do think it's funny, like in our culture, we tend to like, what do you do? Like, that's the big question we always ask each other. Like, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Like, is it really that important? But I think in my case, it is kind of important because I identify as an artist, as a person who, um, you know, has used creativity. And I believe that's a real important um, facet of who we are as human beings. And I think all of us, in fact, one of my books called Art and Soul Reloaded. In fact, I've got two Art and Soul books. Reloaded is kind of the the re-upping of the book, but this idea that all of us are meant to be giving of our gifts, being creative, um, you know, expressing ourselves, and I, so creativity has been a big part of my life, too, and I am just blabbering on and on, so I will shut up now. And no, let you I, I actually, first question. of all, you landed, a, a, which I knew about, which we want, which I, I would never not talk about how that's brought you to where you are today, the fact that you lost a daughter is, I think, the most painful thing for any human being. And here I am, you know, reading a book in playful gratitude that's called Thank and Grow Rich, which is just one of your many works. And I do wonder how that's, I mean, obviously, the impact is enormous. And so how have you, how have you been managing these last three years is the most important first question to where you are today. Well, I think anyone that 
and we all have, you know, people on the other side of the veil. I mean, that's a common experience that a lot of people have. But when it happens, especially to someone who was your person, I mean, Taz was my person. I think when that happens, what is it her really name? What's opened her name? you. Taz. Tasman. Yeah, her Tasman. name is Tasman. Uh, she was named after the sea between Australia and New Zealand. I went to college, got my uh, master's degree in Australia, and her father, who I wasn't with, but he was her biological father, was from New Zealand. So the sea between the two, her name was Tasman. And I had her late in life and um, was always a single mom, although I've had many, many people in my life, you know, helping raise her. As they say, it takes a village to raise a child, but I was always, I've never married. I've always been single. Again, I've led a pretty unconventional life, you know, kind of what the, you know, the paradigm tells you what you're supposed to, you know, get a job. I mean, I did go to college. I did all that, but I always, the paradigm doesn't usually tell you to, um, you know, work for yourself and, uh, and, and follow your bliss. I mean, that's not what we're really encouraged to do. But that is what exactly what I did. And I'm and I was able to travel all over the world doing that because again, I did a lot of travel writing. But um, yeah, losing Taz was just such a huge shock. I mean, finding out that I was pregnant at 37 was a huge shock too. You know, I wasn't planning that. But I was just talking to somebody who had come through town and wanted to get together. She's someone who believes a lot like I do in signs from the other side. And she had written a book about that. So anyway, we ended up getting together. And just a minute ago, I was telling her this story about, um, I had just finished a rebirthing program in um, Connecticut. And it's rebirthing in that, you know, it's a breathing exercise. It's a breathing process where you kind of go through various things. And I had just finished a six month breathing training. And, you know, I was living in Connecticut. I, I wasn't permanently settled there. I just had gone there for the six months training. I, this friend of mine had, was going to go see the psychic. So she goes, Hey, you want to come along? The psychic's flying in from California and why don't you come along? And I'm like, you know, I'm always up for an adventure. So I said, sure. And I went along and, uh, you know, the psychic's going around the room telling everybody what their next, um, um, you know, mission in life is or whatever. She gets to me and she goes, well, this is interesting. And she goes, your next mission in life is motherhood. And I walked out of that place, you know, after it was over, I said to my friend, I go, that psychic is so full of baloney that, you know, there's no way. I mean, I'm single. I'm, you know, traveling a lot. I'm, you know, that just wasn't on my radar. But sure enough, in about three weeks, I was pregnant. And I think the place that I've come to with, you know, having lost has, it's just how grateful I am that I got the chance to be a mom. Because, you know, when you're 37 and you haven't got married or had a child, you know, you're probably not something you, you know, are probably going to have. I mean, just like it didn't look that way. But so I, you know, every year on my birthday, I thank my lucky stars that, yes, I got the chance to be a mom. And not only did I get the chance to be a mom, but I got to be a mom too. You know, in my mind, my daughter is just like a, was just the most amazing person. In fact, I used to always say, you know, that old thing, they say, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And so what I would say, well, I didn't think I could handle it because he gave me this perfect child. You know, I mean, she was truly beautiful, intelligent, funny. I mean, everything, you know, we, she traveled with me a lot and we were just real close. I mean, she went off to college, you know, did all that stuff too, but we were just super close. So it was a total, and plus it just happened so quickly. I mean, you know, we're, we're texting on the phone. Hey, let's go see Stars Born. My mother had passed um, the week before and we had been um, at her funeral. And so I was, you know, doing things down there. So I wasn't able to celebrate Kaz's 25th birthday. So, you know, we had come back from my mom's and 
we were going to, you know, have a big celebration or just, uh, you know, the two of us go see the movie and go to dinner and, you know, just do those things, whatever. We're texting and it'd been, a, you know, she's texting me back and it had been a while. So I call and I go, hey, let's go to breakfast for the movie. And, you know, she didn't respond. And then the next thing I know, there's this cop at my door. They said that, you know, Taz was at LMA, Lawrence Memorial Hospital, where I live, and they were getting ready to life flight her to Kansas University Medical Center in Kansas City. I mean, you know, so this is how abruptly this happened. I mean, I am literally texting her and then we're going to go see a movie. And, and then, you know, she never regained consciousness again. So that, that was, um, you know, I'm just such a shock. In fact, in some ways it's been three years now, but some ways I still am processing that this fact, but it, what it does is it really expands you into bigger realms. You know, you really realize I mean, the universe is so much bigger than anything we see. It's so much bigger than our little physical bodies. And so what this does is it propels you into seeing the bigger picture. So, um, you know, the way to see this as a gift is that it has, and I was already into the bigger picture. I mean, I was already into, you know, knowing that we're, I think it's really important, you know, that we, we realize how big we are. Like we know that we can do all this, but we also know how small we are. You know what I mean? In the whole, it's all about perspective. And depending on the situation, you know, sometimes you need to be big and sometimes you need to be small. And uh, so it's really, you know, had me focus a lot on my smallness and how much bigger everything is than I could ever know. So anyway, that's kind of kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm working on a hard deck now, like for, for other parents that have lost kids. And it's really ironic because, you know, after E Square became this huge bestseller, I heard from so many people and I often heard from moms who had lost their kid and they'd send me a book they'd written, you know, so I mean, and I always was kind of comforting to people because I do believe in a bigger picture. I've always believed there's much more than these physical bodies. I mean, I'm good friends with Anita Morjani who, you know, went to the other side and, so, you know, this is something I'd been interested in. So, but it was just not something I was expecting that I would go through in this particular life. But anyway, that's you, what it was. Were you happened. prepared, but you never, never, never. Oh, never. No, no. For such a no. shock to your to your system and the grief that you that we had that you're going to live with for the rest of your life even if exactly get onto this gratitude frequency so thank and grow rich is about the gratitude frequency was e squared if you want to just talk a little bit about other books or your philosophy of why people would write to you about that and and how you've been able to frame some of those bigger picture for someone who's going through a terrible you know the kind of trauma and grief that is that is just can wreck you and has and, and for some people does. right well, there's always different ways of looking at everything. And our world is basically made up of stories that we've told ourselves, <laughs> you know? And so in E squared, in fact, I in fact, it's, it's sort of a takeoff on Einstein's equals MC squared. And I talk in there a lot about quantum physics and how so much of what we see, I think even in Thinking We're Rich, I might mention some of this stuff that, you know, how we approach the world, how we see the world it's going to come back to us. I mean, it really does reflect what's in our head. You know, like one of the things I said, I don't know if I said this in thing, but that if there's a problem in your life, just like you don't look in the mirror and see that your mascara is smudged and then try to fix it on the mirror. If there's a problem in your life, you have to fix it on yourself or in yourself. So that to me is, um, it, you know, it's just an important philosophy. So when you're looking at everything as, as sacred, and when you're looking through the lenses of gratitude and you're recognizing, I mean, how, what are the odds 
that, you know, out of all of this huge planet spinning around space, that we're here today and that we get to talk to each other. I don't know, we're hundreds of miles away from each other. Here we are talking. I mean, there's just so many mysteries and miracles that are happening all the time. And so we get to choose where we point our lens. If you are enjoying this episode, you are sure to like episode number 21, Intuition, Kids, and Heart Intelligent, or episode 34, The Book of Life, with Esther Russell. And I love what you wrote about, it's on, it's on actually on page seven, and I, so I, I have so many things highlighted in this book, from, from 2016, is this your last book, Thank and, Thank and Grow Rich? Was this your last Oh, no, book? I've written, uh, uh, let's see, two books since then. What are they um, called? Um, Art and Soul Reloaded was the one that came out in 2017. It came out after that book. In fact, that was Kaz's book. In fact, that was her favorite book. And it was dedicated to Kaz, the most creative person I know. But again, that, both of those books were written before she died. The one that just came out in 2020, and now there's an app, regarding this book is a Quartz and Miracles experiment. And if I'm a student of a Quartz and Miracles, and I was in the middle of writing that book when Taz passed. And, you know, I wasn't sure that I could, you know, even finish the book. I mean, I'm, as a writer, you know, deadlines are very important. You always want to, you know, meet your, I mean, if you're a professional writer and you're trying to make a living doing it, it's very important to meet your deadlines. But so this happened and I was halfway through the book. But I was able to finish the book. And in fact, it was really a gift that I had it because the right, because it, it gave me uh, something to do. And I was able to put some of Taz's artwork in that book. And so anyway, um, it was, um, I don't know about cathartic, but it was good to have something to, to keep me busy right after that happened as I'm adjusting you know, to the shock and to the change in my life. But, you know, like everything, you always have the choice, you know, you, I can sit around and, oh, what was me, you know, I'll never have grandkids, I'll never get to see Tess get married, you know, you can focus on that, or I can focus on, like I said, what a great gift that I was given to be able to be a mom and to, you know, to be Taz's mom and, and all the great times that we did have and, and I feel like I'm still in communication with her, you know, she still sends me signs from the other side, like I said, I just met with that girl that She's got a similar story where she's talking to somebody on the other side. So anyway, that's that's kind of and there and I'm sure that there are still moments that are that that must be hard and that you have to let we have that's how life is about knowing that we ha life has suffering and this is an extreme form. And yet we can get on to what you say is when on you're on the joy and gratitude frequency that you are a better writer. You wrote then a better mother, a better pickleball player. And you and everything tastes better and and sounds better and and complete strangers can send you love notes. I mean, the universe kind of the idea. If you want to be a crazy strong electromag electromagnetic for love, electromagnet for love, be playful, be astonished, be grateful, and then the universe and its divine explosion of possibilities can get serious with you. And I, you know, there are so many chapters in this book that deal with you know, chapter five, looking at capital in a different way, instead of being the way we look at our society about achieving. And I love, and I, and I work with that in my, in my life, as I always have naturally, and with other people to understand that more. So maybe we'll be able to elaborate a little bit more on that. Um, I mean, if you want to do that now, just there's this, the idea of 
alchemy being a capital. And that's what we were touching on and spirituality being a capital and creativity, which obviously you've done so much writing around and adventure and social capital. I mean, those are the things when we're in flow, it's not about, and I would think even with abundance with money, that, that, that it can come without us having that attachment to it. So I don't know if you'd like to speak to that. Yes, I love these different kinds of capital. And I feel that, you know, our cultural paradigm is that the, the capital that's important is financial capital. I mean, that's what everybody thinks. Everything is driven by that. And a lot of decisions are made by that. But I feel like that's a fool's error. And I feel like there's so much, there's so many other types of capital that really bring more fulfillment, more meaning, and are just so much more important. And so that's why I pegged it that way. In fact, there were some people in the book first came out that, you know, wrote bad reviews on Amazon. Who is she's talking about? What's financial capital? I mean, there's nothing wrong with financial capital. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful thing, but it's not why we're here and it's not what brings us meaning. So um, when I, I, I chose that title, Think and Grow Rich, because it's a takeoff on, you know, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, but this whole idea of thinking and gratitude, it just seemed like a really good title for gratitude. And um, again, the rich part is, you know, we can be rich in so many different ways. And I feel like, you know, that's, those are the important things. And I love the idea of that what we really want is to feel valued in our gifts and our talents. And, and that only comes from us really tuning in to maybe playing with that paradox of the big picture and the small picture. Sometimes we're smaller and sometimes we can feel like we're, we're stepping into our glory and, and that we can give our gifts in ways that other, that others may not be able to see or give us feedback for. I, and yet, and yet what are we, what are we valuing in ourselves? And, and so I wonder if you want to talk about that, even for what's resonant for you right in, at this stage of your life, what are the things that you're valuing and how, have you, how has that changed? Obviously, I think since, since Taz passed, that must have been a big change for your own perspective on, on not, mothering any, not mothering the same way. Well, I am totally into the natural world. Like every morning I get up and I go out <laughs> and I lay, lay on the ground, you know, with my arms spread out, and my legs spread out, because I feel like you know, nature has the answers for us. And so I feel really connected with trees. I, I like during the pandemic, I, you know, I was a big traveler, so I wasn't able to travel as much. But what my partner and I did, we'd go out and we'd walk in all the parks. I mean, my little town happens to have, I think I heard 52 parks. And I don't know that we've gone to all 52. <laughs> I mean, it's not even that big of a town, but we did go to a lot of the parks and we, you know, just hug trees and hung out and enjoyed nature. So that to me is real important. Like, you know, the full moon last night was incredible. Um, you know, tonight's still going to kind of look like a full moon. So I'm, I guess, maybe mostly interested in the natural world and, um, you know, hanging out with trees, learning from the natural world. So, so those are some of your practices. And and it sounds like so. And with your and with your partner at this stage of life, and was your partner? Yeah, we've been together about nineteen years, and um, so yes, yes. And he's just been a a wonderful, a wonderful guy. He always has been very patient, and you know, again, I was blessed to to get the perfect guy. And and do you have any advice as far as relationship goes at this stage of life? As you age together, as you go through the struggles of of life and the natural the natural ups and downs? Yeah, I would say so. You know, he's got a big family. Um, 
that are here. So that's been, you know, really nice for me. You know, he's got grandkids and he had four daughters and he, he kind of has as one of his daughters too. So five daughters, but yeah, we've grown. And I think the pandemic actually was kind of good for us because, oh, in fact, one of the things I always said about him, you know, there's a type A personality and a type B personality. He is so laid back that he's like a type F personality. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, he's just really laid back. And he enabled me to do a lot of the traveling that I did. You know, he, he kind of a homebody. He likes staying here. And, you know, I was traveling all over the world doing all the stuff and he would stay here and, you know, take care of the dog and the cat and, you know, the house and the yard. And, you know, so he's, you know, really, um, you know, been good to me. And then, you know, during the pandemic, I was home a lot more. So we, you know, we, I think we've grown closer during the pandemic as like I was joking to one of my possibility posts the other day, it only took me 19 years to, <laughs> to really settle to Jim. But and how, anyway, and how is yeah. that? How is that? I mean, it sounds like your connection with the trees, which I feel the same way in my backyard during this time is exactly how I feel. I mean, I have such a serious relationship with with my yard, my front yard and my backyard, and then the woods around. So that that's given you the opportunity together to walk. And have you discovered anything new that you would point to to this time of of kind of reconnecting and aging together? Well, I just think there's more acceptance. We have more acceptance of each other. And he always was really accepting of me. <laughs> he always was. I think I just mellowed a little bit and I maybe I'm more accepting of him as well. So I'd say I probably changed more than he did. But, uh, you know, we've just, um, I don't know, I think we, we've gotten into our little routines and we really enjoy them. I, I haven't been a real routine person in my life. Like right now, uh, Jim and I are meditating together every morning, which has really been nice. You know, we, we get up and we meditate for 20 minutes at the same time every day. And the thing that's nice, I've always kind of been a meditator here and there, <laughs> but, I, but I wasn't as consistent and I would do it. I often would do it when I first got up, but again, I didn't go to a job. I didn't have a real rigorous time to schedule. So this is, I mean, it's like the same time every morning and that's been really good. You know, that discipline of doing that together, you know, it's like, Sometimes we won't uh, do the right thing for ourselves, but if there's somebody else involved, we'll be more tempted to, you know, follow through on what we said we were going to do. So anyway, so that's been really good. And he's always been good about going along with my crazy schemes. You know, I, I don't know, like I said, he's laid back. So that's been really, really nice. Well, as I said, the reason that I love Thank and Grow Rich is because of, I think gratitude has such a, I mean, everything, when you express that, that you're accepting and when you express that you're compassionate, when you express that you're connecting, I mean, maybe even expressing gratitude for the discipline of a daily practice, there's so much that gratitude can help and inform our journeys. So I, I still wonder how, if, there's, if, if there are practices or even in the groups that you work with, where are you seeing people grow the most, whether it's through gratitude or other practices that, that you're noticing? Well, still to this day, and this started right before E Squared, you know, which came out in 2013 and became this huge international bestseller. But we had started this, you know, this AA 2.0 program. That's what I named it. We didn't call it that in the beginning. It was just sort of a gratitude practice. But we still to this day do it, you know, seven years later. I guess we started in 2012. So nine years later, we're still doing it. And I mean, a couple people, well, one person has died within our little, little texting group. So every day, you know, we text each other. You're talking about a group that came out of the book. and, and No, 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 no. This was before something. the book ever was written. This is a group that came out before E Squared. It came out before E Squared. 
And and how did that group form? Well, I wrote about this. We just we just decided that we would text each other. I mean, it's real simple. In fact, this is my AA 2.0 program that, of course, you read about in Thinking Grow Rich. But I call it the AA 2.0 because it has. Okay, okay, so you've heard of the AA program. You know, it has 12 steps. This is my AA 2.0, and it has two steps, and it's really easy. So I get up in the morning. First thing I say is something amazingly awesome is going to happen to me today. And that's where the AA came from, amazingly awesome, which may not be grammatically correct, but you know, hey, it works. <laughs> I love amazingly awesome. Amazingly I awesome. Right? Something amazing. Yes. Yeah. So people have always been, always would send me like these plaques and something amazingly awesome. And that was just kind of my catchphrase, I guess. But the second part, that's step number one. The second part of that step is I do text this, what I call my possibility posse, three blessings from the day before. And you know, I've always been big on gratitude, but what we do, it has to be different every day. It, you can't repeat. So here for nine years, we have been texting each other some new and exciting thing that happened. And it was not even exciting. It's always, but something that we appreciate, something that we held sacred, something beautiful that happened. And when your mindset is in that, looking in that direction, you're going to find it. So, you know, I, and again, I've got this possibility posse to I've got to report to them every day so you know I'm out there looking for things that I can be grateful for so that was oh, you know we during during, during the, the loss during when you had the tragic loss that made it was that also a big uh was that hard to do well you know it's funny because they quit texting me during that period of time you know for a couple of months I think they were uh, you know being really sensitive like oh my gosh how are we gonna you know I would always write amazing awesomeness and I'd put all this stuff in fact that has been kind of a you know you're the gratitude girl and then something like this happens and I think it was a big shock to a lot of my readers as well as to me of course but I think a lot of people were surprised like wow how does this happen to her but you know as somebody said you know the death rate on planet earth remains steady at 100 <laughs> percent we're all going to die someday and I don't know that I necessarily believe in death in the, in the way that a lot of people do. I believe that our spirits go on, our souls go on, and that, yes, our physical body, I mean, these physical bodies are like, what, a couple cubic feet of space in this giant cosmos, you know, a couple feet of uh, cubic material space. I mean, what what is that? It's nothing compared to what, what else out there. So so the po the possibility posse, somebody had died from that posse that you text. Right. 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 It was something that you were getting to about that. So that must have was that interesting. Oh yeah. No, she had just she was just one of the people, one of the original that started, but she did pass, I don't know, several years before Taz did. I mean, she was older, but yeah, she had passed as well. So there's five of us left. So I've got four four people that I do text these to, you know, it's just a group chain, you know, they send me their gratitudes and I send them mine, but that's step two of that AA 2.0 program. And again, we didn't call it that. I just named it that because it sounded cool. I read a blog post about it. I <laughs> So anyway, it just turned into that. And then of course I wrote Thank and Grow Rich. I'm using that as the main party game, as I call them in that book, you know, here is a party game to try. So that was the initial one that I encouraged everybody to do. And a lot of people I think are still doing it. I got an email from somebody the other day, maybe it was a Facebook post, I can't remember. And she said, I hope you know that there's 2000 of us out here that are still doing those gratitudes every day. And there's still a few people that are on my Twitter feed that I'll, you know, see their gratitudes for the day. So I think it has influenced people, you know, over and above me as well, you know, people that are, and, and, you know, I think you even alluded to this, too, you know, gratitude, oh, that's just a mamby-pamby thing. Yeah, it's nice to be, you know, lollipops and sunshine. But it literally changes your life. I mean, it's like the closest you can get to that transcendent state, maybe in this body, you know, to really look at the sacred, to really look at 
the beauty that is here. And when you're in that mindset, it's like your whole world opens up. And I think um, it's not just a mamby-pamby thing. If you're really in that frame of mind where you're really looking for all the gifts and blessings, then, um, then you know, it's, it's surprising you can't even name them all. I mean, you know, I, I could go on for millions of years and I still can't <laughs> name all my blessings. That's such a beautiful framing. And, and, and do you have any support group other than that? Like, I really do believe that what keeps us vital and healthy, and especially as we age, if we could talk about that a little bit, like, what are your secrets for, for embracing this stage of life and seeing whether you can do the same things you used to or how you're reframing any of that with gratitude or any of those? Well, yeah, I, I, again, I call them possibility posses and I have two groups. And again, we talk about this, like we're focused a lot of groups, as I said in that book, there's a lot of groups focusing on what's wrong and what we need to change. But these are groups that focus on what is going right. And so these groups, I have one that meets every week and one that meets every other week or twice a month, actually. And we just get together and we discuss these kind of topics. As I say, this is like the only conversation that's really important, you know, this of what all, what, how blessed we are and what gifts we have. So anyway, that's, yeah. So I do have two groups like that. I have, you know, my pickleball friends. I have a lot of, so that's another thing that I've, you know, about the time E-Square came out, I, I got really big into playing pickleball. Literally every single day I play pickleball and that's a real community as well. So I do think what you're saying, it's important to have a community. I know there's studied scientific research that says people that, you know, are connected to other people live longer, healthier, that kind of thing. So yes, I do find, I do think that's a real important thing. And you, and you turn to those people for the possibilities and is it also for the hardships because i do wonder how you've got yourself through this time i mean i don't i'm not i don't want to berate this or or you know impose too much but but it you had such a belief system on your own and did you sharing that belief system did that reinforce this message of i'm going to move through this i I maybe can't put it behind me because it's always part of us we carry but you yet you move through by having the things that you look for daily. I mean, you come down to the smallest gratitude. Well, it really is one moment at a time. And that's how life always is. But particularly when we're faced with something difficult, you know, literally one day at a time or one moment at a time or whatever, you know, you can do. And did I turn to my, yes, I mean, different groups of friends, we all have different circles that we we are in. Um, you know, my sister was very, um, very helpful for me. I had the most so many remarkable things that happened. A German artist sent me an email soon after Taz passed and said, here's the first of 52 flowers I'm going to paint for you. And then she blew this glass butterfly. She says, I'm going to send this one a week, you know, to commemorate your daughter. And, you know, I thought, oh, that was really sweet. And I was very touched by that. But I thought, is she going to really follow through? Not only did she follow through every single Saturday morning, I would get an email with a brand new flower that she had painted and a blown glass butterfly. And then in the end, she auctioned them all off for the two to two foundation that I started. I mean, so like kindness of strangers, there were a lot of people that really reached out to me that way. My Mm. best friend from college, I was scheduled to go to India um, before Taz died again. It was such so unexpected. So I was planning, I was had a trip to India planned. And you know, like a month after Taz passed, maybe a little more than a month, but say, like, how can I go do this? But my best friend from college, 
I said, you know, Mary, I don't know that I can do this, but if you come with me, I think I can. So we went, we had this amazing mystical experience there where we got the first person that received the money for the 222 Foundation, a group of women who um, had 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 acid thrown on them in India. It's a thing men still do in India. If, you know, you didn't produce a male heir or whatever. So mostly people, when that would happen to them, I mean, their faces would be totally disfigured they would go into hiding. I mean, that was just kind of what you do if this happens to you. But these women, not far from the Taj Mahal, opened a little cafe, it's called Shiro's Hangout, and they serve food willingly, I mean, free. It's like, I mean, people tend to give donations, but they have tea and coffee and free food, and it's this beautiful place, all beautiful art. And so after we'd gone to the Taj Mahal, we went there and it's like, okay, this is where, you know, this is gonna be the first recipient from the 222 Foundation. But while we're at the Taj Mahal, and this is after we'd done the thing that I was scheduled to do, the Tribes for Good, which is what I'd already had booked, and then, you know, we stayed. And, you know... Tribes for Good is the two for... Tell me the name of the foundation, just so I can... The 222 Foundation is the foundation I started for my, do, for my daughter, in, in honor of... Can you name it, or name it again? The 222 two, 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 two. Foundation. The Tazgraf 222 Foundation. T2... Just spell it out for us, how you use it. Uh, just 222. Two, two, just not three number numerical yeah. two, 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 two foundation. Right. Okay. The task Dior, Dior. two, two, two foundation. I mean, cause she and I had a thing about two, 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 my daughter and I did. So every year on February 22nd, two, 22, we give an award or we give money to a project that will change the consciousness of the world. And that is our mission. You know, that, that, um, that emphasizes creativity and so anyway, I mean, you can look up all this stuff on my website or I can send you a link or whatever. But yes, yeah, so the Taz Grout 222 Foundation and, you know, Taz and I had a thing about 222. So that's why we did that. But anyway, so we go to the Taj Mahal after, you know, I'd done the tribes for good. That was why I'd been invited to come to India. You know, this was separate from Taz dying. I was going to India and my best friend from college went with me to, you know, kind of support me as I went to do this. But so we go to the Taj Mahal we find out that this amazing monument to love, I mean, it is really an amazing place. It's hard to even describe it. It was built in honor of Mumtaz. Mumtaz, T-A-Z, the same name as my daughter. It took 20,000 workers 22 years to build it. So there's two, two, two. And then, like I said, we left there and we go to the Shiro's Hangout and then it ends up being, you know, where we gave our first donation of February 22nd of that first year after Taz had died. So it felt like it was, you know, a mystical experience that was all, uh, you know, being orchestrated on some level that I had no control over. Well, that's where you released your freak, this frequency to the gratitude of the world, how the world can support you. And I hope, I hope in certain, it looks like in many, many ways, you continue to find people to do that. Were there any tips you would give? Because as we age, I think death is something we all face. So any things like you told me your sister was really there for you. So how does being there, how does showing up feel best for you, feel best for you then? And how do you think showing up for someone going through struggles is really? Oh, I think just listening, just it. listening or just, you know, my sister lives in another part of the country, but, you know, she fly out here. She came, you know, on the anniversary of Taz's death. I mean, she just, you know, has just been supportive of me, <laughs> you know, just, but I think listening, you know, there's nothing anybody can say. I mean, what can you say? There's there's no good words, nothing. 
but just having someone that's there for you. So I think that is really the best thing people can do for grief is just be there. I think people sometimes shy away because A, it's like, oh my gosh, what if that happened to me? I couldn't stand it. You know, so people are afraid of you for that reason. And plus nobody knows what to say, but you know, nobody does. I mean, you don't, I still don't know what to say, you know, in the situation, but you just are there physically present to listen. So I think that's about the best you can do because there is nothing to say. There is nothing to say. There's nothing to fix. As soon as we learn that we can't fix anyone else's pain and we can only, you know, really show up fully in who the best we can be uh-huh. for them, right? And and do the best we can, which sometimes is different every right, day. Right, exactly. That's it, it is a moment by moment thing for sure. So so Pam, what would you say is next for you? What what are you looking forward to, or what what's next for you in your journey? I've got an, another book w- with an agent, and she's currently working on you know, selling that book. So that's one thing I'm working on. Again, just being out in nature, doing my meditation, just really being available for what's mine to do, you know, just being open and available. And I feel like, you know, my bookie square, the one that was so popular, it was all about manifestation, you know, and law of attraction. And, you know, as you're you know, happier, good things happen to you. But I, I'm not into that so much anymore. I'm just so trusting that the universe does have my back and that, you know, it's all will unfold just perfectly. So you just, you know, just show up every day the best you can and trust that you will be guided and you will be shown what is yours to do. So I don't know that I have anything real specific. Like I said, I am working on a book. I continue to blog. It sounds like a, a great example for all of us as far as being in our own frequency of of gratitude in the universe and our own place for whatever we've gone through that you're not, we don't have to do what we're doing is not most important, but well, how we're being Yes, and you're, and you're just being where you right. are. That's a good description. And I'm, you know, I've got some travel things coming up. I, I, again, was pretty, I did three books for national geographic on meaningful vacation. So obviously you know, traveling is a big part of my life. And so I've got... Oh, talk talk about that. Meaningful vacations for open nesters. That's a beautiful thing to, to if you don't mind talking about that for a couple minutes. Oh, well, yeah. The, the books, I did a series of three books for National Geographic. The first one was on, well, they're meaningful vacations. There's four categories. There's volunteer vacations. There's arts and crafts vacation, you know, where you go and maybe learn to paint a chair or paint or whatever. There's, let's see, it was volunteer. This, I, these were written quite a long time ago. You know, I, I, you know, these books, I think, I mean, they're still good, but some of the vacations may no longer be in effect. Right. You know what I mean? But so I did that when it, there were three, four categories of wellness vacations, educational vacations. Just meaningful. So let, let's just talk about that whole meaning. All right. Well, there are four categories. So I did, I did the one on North America. So just hundred vacations is the hundred best vacations to enrich your life with an animal. So I did North America. Then I did the whole world. You know, these meaningful, these four categories all over the world. And then I did one specifically just on volunteer vacations and kind of the premise is that, and again, National Geographic came to me. I didn't pitch this, but this idea that, you know, there's more on a, on a, to do on a vacation than sit around and drink, you know, little colored drinks with little umbrellas in them. You know what I mean? It's like make you get to know a culture so much better too, you know, especially like with volunteering. And the idea isn't to go help people, it's to go learn of people, like to interact with people from another culture, another country. And so that's the real value to me of traveling. Any any of your favorite you probably have way too many to name a favorite or experience that really stands out. 
people ask that all the time. <laughs> you know, when you're a travel writer, you get that question a lot. And I always have two answers. But one of them is, um, you know, just like you don't want pizza <laughs> every meal. You know, it kind of depends on what you're in the mood for. And I've done a lot of different kinds of vacations. And my other answer I often will give is the place I just last was because I fall in love with every place I go. So to answer this question, you know, I just got back from Ajijic, Mexico. It's in the Sierra Madres. I was there for a month. It's on a 50-mile lake. It's up high, so it's beautiful temperature. So I was just in this, like, perfect climate for a great deal of the summer, and it was really nice to be down there. There's a, a several spiritual communities down there. Paramahansa Yogananda was there, you know, during his lifetime. He said, oh, this is going to be a center for spiritual revolution. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's just kind of a cool area. And I, I go down there usually um, about once a year for about a month. What's the name of the area? Can you spell it a little bit or I didn't get the whole of Ajijic. It's A-J-I-J-I-C. Ajijic, Mexico. Ajijic, yeah. And and it sounds like you you really enjoy traveling alone. So you want to speak to that for a moment because... Oh, well, Jim went with me okay. to... Uh, <laughs> but I, and I, you know, I have traveled some along, but I tend to travel, you know, I travel with my daughter a lot. Um, now I'll probably be traveling more with Jim, but also, you know, as a travel writer, I would meet up with other travel writers like all over the world and I'd be invited to these different places. So I guess you could say I was traveling along, but I always would meet, you know, these travel writers. So it didn't feel like I was alone, but I mean, I, I would those are okay too. You know, I've been like I say, every kind of travel you can imagine. So. Well, thank you. Are there any other things that you'd like to tell or or think that are it's important to hear about this stage of life when when kids leave? This is I think that it's almost hard to say that your daughter left in a way that was so not what we think about when we think about the empty or the open nest. Uh-huh. And we like to call it the open nest, but I think you're you're representing something that open still to your life and to your living and to the bigger picture at this stage of life, but are there any other things that you would leave for people who are now going through a different, a transition, obviously not, you know, the, the hard, quite as hard, but anything that you would recommend for them at this stage of, as we old, as we get older and our, our kids don't need us anymore as mothers, mothers is yeah. friendship. Or... Well, I was blessed because, you know, Taz, she was 25 when she died. So she had, I mean, I had been an empty nester <laughs> in a sense, you know, she went off to college and then, I was lucky. She went to college four years and, you know, in a different city, but we stayed in touch and we traveled in the summer. So, you know, it wasn't like I had, I'd have always been, and we were always just really good friends. So it was easy to stay in touch. And then she went to Europe and lived there after college, but she had come back, you know, the last year of her life, I was very blessed because she did live here in Lawrence, Kansas, where I lived. She worked for, um, she was a Spanish and anthropology major. So she worked for um, Spanish speaking Big Brothers Big Sisters program. So she um, had lived in Lawrence. And so I got to spend quite a bit of time with her. I mean, she had her own apartment and everything, but you know, it was just really, I was blessed that she she was here. And I was blessed that we had a really good, close, loving relationship, um, you know, during the time of her life. And, and I, I could try to think what your question was. How do you deal That's with okay. it? Anything else? Okay, when she first went off to college, I just started traveling all the time, you know? <laughs> So it's like, okay, I won't be even thinking about it because I was traveling. I went to Russia, you know, went between Moscow and St. Petersburg. I just would take every travel writing opportunity I could. So I, I stayed busy. You know, is that avoiding the fact that your child is gone? I don't know. But but that's kind of what I did when she first went off to college. And you still, and you still, and obviously the connection to her was, was a big blessing. So uh, I want to just 
thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because this was really special for me to be able to interview you and for to hear really your gratitude. And I and I wish you so many more blessings in the way you you experience life. I, I really do. And and uh, and we will make sure to post all of the things. And I will definitely read E Squared and some of your newer books on creativity to be able to you know commemorate Taz and and he, look at her pictures. I mean, I love the idea that. So we'll list all of those on our blog and the website. I mean, there's like 900 posts on my website. So and and it, the Tutu Two Foundation, you can find out about that on my website as well. So there's a lot of information there if you need to fill in any gaps or whatever. I guess this is a audio interview, but you know, there's a lot of information. I mean, literally 900 posts, you know, on my website. And and can you just can you just spell out your website so people can go straight there? It's just pamgrout.com, www.pamgrout.com. And I'm on all the socials, Pam Grout, you know, Twitter, Instagram, all that. So anybody that wants to find out more about me can do that. You know, my books are on there. So good luck with your next book and with everything and each moment. And I really, really, really thank you for this time together. Sure. Thank you. Wow. Very insightful interview. Well done, Tessa. Very well. Thank you. I have gratitude for you, 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 you thanking <laughs> yeah. me. Thanks for thanking me. Well, I want to tell you, I mean, I, now I really have to finish this book that is sitting there for the last couple of months. I really have to finish it because the book provides a different perspective on gratitude. Tessa, you started us with uh, three gratitudes a day, and you started a lot of other people with that. And to be honest, I have not been consistent with it. And for her to do three gratitude a day for nine years and not to repeat every one of them is really, really profound. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine that. And she started these groups, which I love, this, this idea that she started the amazingly awesome, you know, her, her, her AA 2.0. And they're basically then on her own, these possibility posses. And I have my possibility posse, as you know, and that's what we discovered together. And actually, one of my friends, and, and as many of you are hearing with my, if you've looked at my Tessa page, I'm really creating discussion groups around kind of the expansion in our life, this time in our life for expansion, because what I loved about what she says is that we can be a magnet to the universe, and then it'll well, get serious with us. And this is a stage that we have the time to do that, to really do that. So one of my friends, I think I told you yesterday that she, because I told her about my interview with Pam, she picked up E squared again, and she thought of three things that she wants to manifest, and within that week, all three things came to yeah. light. So we have so much more power to be a magnet for the life we want. Sure, and she started almost like a, a movement. It's people that are engaged in gratitude and people that are consistently reporting to her about gratitude. I'm telling you, uh, people really underestimate the power of gratitude. Exactly. So this has been such a, a great reinforcement. And thank you, Pam Grout, for this wonderful, yeah, and, wonderful. And, 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 also how, and also how she coped with, with, the, the, with, the, with the loss of a daughter, her only daughter. I mean, look. If that it, doesn't teach you something, what, what yeah, does? Exactly. What nothing can. Nothing can teach right. you. If you can look at the world in a much bigger way, that the universe has some kind of design and and her daughter Taz, we hope, you know that that, that her her some kind of 
spiritual essence that she maintains is is a is a gift to other people exactly. in the world as so many of these great stories that she told about the story in India that she met a Tasman and that they they found the same two 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 day I mean stories are there when we're looking for actualizing our life in a spiritual capacity that's opening up to the universe but you really don't need any sign to be grateful every day you really don't no. and once you realize the power of gratitude you will exercise it on your own without having anybody to be accountable for well accountability always helps yeah well of course if you have uh, somebody <laughs> that you can uh, call in or text yeah. the three gratitudes a day uh, it makes a big difference. It makes to have a big some difference. Yes. Makes a big difference. Hey, look, uh, go to our website. Tell us what you think about this episode or any other episode. Take a survey. Let us know what other episode you like to hear about. What other subject matter you like to hear about. And go to theopennester.com. That's theopennester, double N in the middle, S at the end, and. Stay in touch and, with and us. And if you get on our Facebook page, um, join our closed private group and you'd like to start posting gratitudes i'm going to actually do that as soon as this episode comes out so that maybe we'll make a week of gratitudes on our facebook page if you'll go to the open nesters and ask to join the private group you could find us on other social media as well and speaking of gratitude i want to thank all of you out there our listeners our loyal listeners and our new listeners that are listening to us every week and giving us such great feedback Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Tessa and I really want to thank you for thank making you. this podcast relevant, important, and life-changing for so many. Till next time, this is Amir. And I'm Tessa. And we'll see you on the radio. Ciao.